0: This episode of Schedule for Launch features a conversation about death. If you'd like to avoid that, please skip from 24-30 to 27:22. Building a game where you rotate control of a character brings its own unique set of challenges. What will you give to take and maintain your own sense of individuality and control? This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Tanya Floker about their new role-playing game, be seeing you. We talk about inspirations, compliance, and artistic ways to make your game have a little more flavor. Hello there everyone. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover projects that you may have missed uh i am so excited for this week and it's been a busy one actually and i'm really happy to be joined by tanya Floker to be discussing a really interesting game that i've only recently discovered so tanya thank you so much for joining me on the show this week
1: oh, thank you very much zach thanks for having me on
0: so a little thing before we even hop into that right now you can't hear him but on my shoulder is a little lovebird. He might pipe in from time to time. He's joined me on other episodes <laughs> and he's uh, he's a little bit noisy. So if you hear Joey in the background, that's okay. But Tanya, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, as he introduced me, my name's Tanya Floker. I'm uh, based out of Edinburgh in Scotland. I like, at the moment I am doing games design, and I sort of incorporate a lot of my sort of, uh, like any games designer does, I incorporate my own sort of perspective on the world into that. And so that means uh, taking into account the fact that I, I sort of come from a political tradition of sort of anarchist communism, and I have, like I'm queer, so I take a sort of very queer anarchist view on things. and. Uh, Yeah, and so I'm just sort of bringing that into things at the moment, and that's led me to, uh, I've got sort of history in zine production and zine distribution, and I'm now taking a a sort of go at putting one of my games out there.
0: And I'm really interested in this one, actually. It's a, a very cool game, and it's called Be Seeing You. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what it is?
1: yeah absolutely so um BC New is a game sort of taking a a sort of deconstructive look at um surveillance society uh the the game's title comes from uh, a phrase used in the nineteen sixties tele show the, the the prisoner so if anyone out there's watched the prisoner the title is sort of like used as a a sort of a, a little sort of secret greeting and secret goodbye between uh, people trapped in this sort of uh, village which acts as a a sort of surveillance society microstate and so I've taken a lot of influence from that because about a year ago uh, a friend of mine at our local games club the Edinburgh Indie Gamers said if I wanted to make a game or play a game based loosely around the prisoner what what game would i pick and there's a few out there already but none of them seem to take take my friend's fancy and so i just went away and like thought about it for about half an hour and then started writing uh, a few jot down a few ideas and because it was november uh every november i take part in a a month long game jam called uh Naga Demon the the national or international more rightly games design month and so i just started jotting down ideas and i ended up with a game that that kind (laughs) of (laughs) worked
0: i'm really excited to dive into it too it deals with a lot of different themes yeah uh, that are really interesting some of them being control independence compliance and freedom um um did Sorry, I had just a brain fart. I asked you what is B seeing you, right? I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did talk about what it I, is. Okay. Well, I, should, I, just...
1: I, I should maybe go into it a little more. Yeah, like,
0: probably what, a little what, bit. What, what,
1: what does the actual game entail? Like that's that's sort of like the surrounding bits. I've had a, a, a very busy day of it today, so um, thank you for keeping me on track. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, effectively the game itself is uh, it's a role playing game. It's uh, GMless so but it's mm-hmm. got so but it rotates uh the share of narration duties around the table as the game progresses. So ideally you're playing with four, you can play with 3 to 5, but the perfect sweet spots with four people. You have one person taking on the role of the prisoner who you at the start of the game uh collaborate to create as a group and the next person plays the role of the administrator, and this is the person in charge of this uh, uh, of a, a sort of surveillance microstate state where the prisoner is held okay. and you have one player take on the role of sort of creating locations, so they're, they're in charge of narrate, final narration mm-hmm. on, on sort of all the sort of scenery, background what's going on in that sort of sense and one person in charge of any other supporting cast okay, so you've got these Four four uh, roles. At the start of the game, you've created cr- together answered questions about yourselves, mm-hmm. which are then used to inform the narrative about this this prisoner who it goes unnamed throughout the whole piece. We never refer to the prisoner's gender or their name or anything too specific beyond the questions about ourselves that we answer at the start. So. These are things like uh, traits about yourself that could be, um, like, what what sort, what's what sort of things about uh, authority, uh, cause you to to buck against the trend. What sort of style mm-hmm. do you like to hold? What's what would be your ideal home? And we answer these questions in turn, and then we we transport them into the fiction and and sort of. Uh, overlay them with this this sort of cypher character who then ends up being an amalgam of all the players' answers and as the game progresses we'll rotate these four positions around the table each taking turns so while we're all playing the same prisoner we take it in turns to actually be in charge of the narration of that prisoner and the the administrator much in the sort of vein of the The prisoner tv show every time that role rotates a new character is created with a new plan about how to to tackle the prisoner and extract information from them uh or or that's the sort of like over the overt part is like seems to be like they want to extract information but really what they want is just for them to comply and so there's there's mechanisms as the game goes on about um that the prisoner comes mainly against three main choices. Either they can comply with what's happening around them, which can buy them a little more time, maybe buy them a little more oomph later in the game, but at the expense of, of having acted against their own interests in the, the here and now, they mm-hmm. can they can try and defy what's being, being pushed upon them, in which case... They, they maybe thwart something that the administrator and the rest of the villagers trying to... The other players are, are collaborating against them on, but it costs them some resources. Or the prisoner can decide that they've gathered enough resources in order to try and mount an escape. And as, as the game goes on, we see how that, how that wears on. Because every time they try and escape, every time they, they act in defiance... The, the the control rating against them ticks up and th- this is sort of heavily influenced by a game I love called uh, Lacuna Part 1 by uh, Jared Sorensen and so this sort of idea that the, as the control ramps up it, it just sort of, that game plus watching a lot of sort of not just the prisoner but things like uh, Stalker or even um the the uk version of utopia the way that the, yes. the sort of paranoia cre- creeps up and gets like very quickly just ramps up and ramps up and every time you think it's it's hit a new plateau it gets cranked up again and again um as that's happening in the game there are mechanisms by which the the narrative starts to to become more and more broken and surreal and fragmented and the 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 things that the character is facing become just more bizarre and unusual to the point where it all comes to a sort of like head there's a final sort of scene mechanism, and we we have a sort of possibly surreal ambiguous ending based on how the play group wants to interpret what's happened. Each person at the end of the game adds their own there's another set of like round up questions which leave uh, where players can put contradictory answers into the the, the the sort of the narrative so at the end it can be quite ambiguous or or sort of uh, interpretive so yes yeah, it's, it's definitely leaning hard on that sort of story game aspect but definitely has a, a main central character thread
0: through it mm-hmm and It's it's one of those things that I think a lot of people can kind of lean into and enjoy the prisoner. The setting for this game where you design it and the the character, it's really ambiguous, which I think leaves a lot of open play space for people to really play this game in a lot of different ways. Hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh,
0: Oh please go on oh no no please you were i think you were going to go on to exactly what i was about to ask Could you delve a little bit further into that ambiguity
1: oh yeah yeah well the 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 ambiguity means that like you say each play group takes it differently every play test group that i've uh, that has taken this game and and had a, a a run through have ended up with very different results we've ended up with one sort of world the first time we played it in an early alpha version ended up very much like um the film pleasantville where
0: i am familiar with that one
1: (laughs) yeah yeah uh so for, for anyone that's not familiar it's sort of like a very some kids get sucked into this tv show where it's like the 1950s and everything's perfect but it's all black and white and then as color starts to seep in there's there's sort of like it becomes more the, the 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 sort of like the the perfect reality starts to fall apart and they have to deal with with sort of like more complex morality and then come to terms with it and then love it for for the color that it is and that's kind of where it went but in a darker it was it was like that but darker rather than it sort of like it started off almost the opposite that the world was very open and colorful yeah. and then started to to close down and implode on itself and and become more confusing and more labyrinthine and harder to discern but then another another play group played it almost like it, it ended up being like a a crossbreed between uh the sort of ideals of an english pastoral village mixed with a uh, sort of uh mechanical body horror like uh the, one of the early things that they came up against were sort of bionic bionic uh bionically augmented farm animals and and eventually that sort of tumbled into to people and other people in the village and 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 then this sort of like facade of this sort of hobbiton starting to become uh, uh, underneath it all this horrible like mechanical um soul crushing Uh, mechanism, so two very different games but with similar themes and similar feel I guess, a similar emotional landscape
0: yeah From what I've been able to to find out too and what I've looked into and what you've told me about BCU, You, that is one of its very, that's one of its strong suits is that giving the, the people who are playing this, the, the space to have that discussion about control and what it means to be free and be independent and what happens when you're forced to comply.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think, I, like, I see the game as a, a sort of a, a social allegory or commentary on... Both on the 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 highs and lows of notions of individualism, mm-hmm. in the sense that you could go down a, a sort of a, a a sort of a sort of capitalist individualism that's sort of like I I I I don't need anyone else sort of free marketeer sort of notions around you and in the way in which that isolates you and alienates you and leaves you prey to surveillance and control but mm-hmm. it also talks about sort of a uh, individualism without uh without if you, if you if you are just the lone individual without uh, any thought towards collective society as a whole like uh, like having having sort of uh other bonds of of sort of like with other people of sort of like mutual aid and friendship and that kind of thing that that also isolates you in your own sort of a castle of your own devising and so the game has a sort of uh, dual dual aspect on that um, yeah yeah, and it, it just basically gives you a bunch of mechanics that, that sort of lead the story in a direction but obviously it's a role play game once i hand it out to people it's it's the play group that that then then tell tell create play the game and then create their own narrative about what happened in the game and come to their own conclusions on that it's Mm -hmm. i i can have my own my own uh, as the artist as it were i can have my own ideas when i'm creating the work but when other people are interacting with it and taking that away and doing their own thing, it will be interesting to see what more and more people playing it, how, how they interpret it, and what what I see coming back from that.
0: Okay, sorry about that everybody, I have no idea what happened on my end, but <laughs> the things kind of went dead for a second, we're back now, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen again.
1: Thank you, fingers
0: crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, so before things dropped out we had been talking about the themes and the game's use of sharing a protagonist and this kind of this is interesting to me because a lot of people will handle the protagonists differently which i think it's super interesting especially with the control compliance elements of this and independence really yeah um, yeah
1: well, it's a bit like uh, there's something that i i noticed in other games where you would share control of uh, a character, is that um, while each person would try and play it within the, the sort of agreed narrative bounds, everybody would put in their own spin on it. Uh, like you'd have your own slight takes, and it would surprise everyone else at the table how a character mm-hmm. that, that maybe I've been playing it a certain I've been playing this character a certain way. And then based on the events that have happened, it's now rotated to the person beside me and they're playing that character slightly differently and it maybe takes me aback or, or makes me think about that character differently. And yeah. So so that when it all goes round the table and comes back to me, maybe, maybe I've got a different uh, feeling about the character after we've had this game of telephone with them. Um, and I kind of feel like this is something, I guess... I, I, like i was saying before about sort of influences uh, i guess in a, a sort of like gaming lineage sense i've played a lot of games that do that but um mm-hmm. when i when i was sitting down to write this uh, maybe about six months before i'd played um uh, is it um companion's tale it's, okay. a, it's yeah it's a really good game about Make, you make a map uh, but it's about, nobody plays the companion, you play people that knew the companion and rotate cuties mm. around the table and add in different pieces of narrative and it can be conflicting narrative and I felt like that that feels more real than someone playing a character very much straight down the line Like, this character will always act X, Y, or Z way feels less realistic than, well, this character acted this way on this day and had a bad day and was acting out of sorts and then had a really good day and felt really confident. Like, these sorts of changes felt like at the end of the game with be seeing you, I felt like the prisoner character felt more real because of those those sort of... uh, like, contradictions or, like, unanswered questions or or different reactions that we'd seen throughout the game.
0: That's so interesting, actually. I really like that. One of the things that we talked a little bit about being Seeing You specifically was that it started off as an entry for the uh, Naga Demon's annual game jam. Yeah. And it's it's grown from that. Where did it start versus what it's become for you?
1: Um, well, at the time, um, I've got quite a young child at the moment. And mm-hmm. I was uh, basically uh, also had some big life disruptions just before um, my youngest was born. And so ended up homeless for a time and then uh, in temporary accommodation and then in the home we're in now, which is nice and stable, thankfully. Um thankfully. Yeah, Um, but that left uh, me sort of like both in the the normal sort of like new parent sort of uh, learning a whole new set of skills and swamped and tired and losing a uh, a little bit of my own sense of identity into motherhood. Yeah. Um, And at the same time... 'Cause I was like full time carer for, for our youngest and so um and on the other hand, I guess i I'd always used the, the sort of Naga Demon Game Jam as a nice way to sort of like prompt my writing. I, I'd never felt like actually putting out my own games before. Because yeah. I well, I had a an inkling of it about a decade ago. I'd been I've been writing games most of my, my life. Um, and then I had a chat with some other other games designers locally. Um, about ten, fifteen years ago, there was a really good gaming sort of network of games designers called the Collective Endeavour here in sort of across Britain, but mainly in Scotland. and okay. And I just sat with them at a, a game con once and was saying, eh, "I'm going to put out this game. I think I've got this. This it wasn't you. it's another one." And they were like, "Well." you can do that, that's not a problem. Have you got enough money to just do a print run and put it out? And I was like, yeah, I could, I could do that, yeah. And yeah. They, But then um, one of the members, I think it was uh, Malcolm Craig, said, why do you want to put this out? That is the most important question here. Because if your reason is um, you think you've got something completely new, that's maybe, a, like, we talked it out and it's like, I don't have something that's completely new in this. I've mainly done it because I thought the game was fun. I'd played it myself and I was enjoying it. And, but yeah. then it was like, as I thought more and more on that, uh, I was thinking... Effectively, I was thinking... like, I enjoy... The, the, the prize for me is having the game written. Like the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the bit that I enjoy is like, I've wrote this game, I've sat down with some friends, and we're all enjoying it. And putting it into print and getting it out there and, and going to cons and, and doing all the things I'd need to do to actually sell a game weren't really that interesting to me on the whole. It seemed yeah. like a, lo- a lot of work. And I was like, at that point in my life, I was just, <laughs> I, I didn't need that extra work. There were other things that were going on and it just wasn't there. So I actually took that question of why am I doing why am I writing games, why am I putting it out there? And I just sort of went, Okay, I actually I'm quite confident that my games are good and um, I don't really need outside validation for that, so <laughs> let's let's just yeah, keep No, writing. that's totally <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like let's keep on writing amazing games and just playing them with my pals. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um like recently so a year ago I was just trying to like, even, well even a couple of years ago was if I, I, I'd sort of got back into doing Naga Demon as a way of sort of like mm-hmm. reminding myself this is something I can do for myself and be competent at and it's not parenting yeah. related in any way and it was just like a small reminder at a time when I couldn't get out to to game at clubs and, and gaming online for me wasn't really a thing I wish it had been in retrospect but um I just didn't feel like it was something I wanted to do and so I designed the game and then I, I sort of, like I say, my friend Bruce at, at the Edinburgh Indie Gamers uh, wanted a get, like, was asking about the prisoner and it just sparked something in my brain at the right moment and um, I wrote three drafts of the game and playtested each one all over November uh, last year and at the end of it, I felt like I've got a game here that's that's really good. Then, yeah. yeah, and then I've been I've played it a few times, like on and off, and handed it to pals over the past year. And then this year, uh, at the very start of the the pandemic, um, uh, a bit of a heavy thing here. So it's uh, going to go into death for anyone out there listening. Um, yeah. uh, a vi- a very good friend of mine uh, died of COVID um an old friend um i hadn't seen him for a few few years because we lived in different cities and we'd sort of ended up in different sort of spaces but um it was an old friend that we used to sit down and like talk about we used to have sort of like when you've had a few drinks of that and you'd be talking about (laughs) oh we should one day we'll publish our our games we 'll get them out there, that sort of thing, and it was never intended as sort of like a serious discussion i don 't think it was something that was sort of like wouldn't it be cool if we did that mm-hmm. yeah, but we we don't have a bags of money to do that, and we 're not really fussed and uh he he went on to he was more into the war game aspect of the hobbies, and, yeah and he was going and he'd started a, a little company to make produce his own uh war game terrain and sell that. And it was starting to take off and then um yeah he, he had he got COVID and died unfortunately and it was really it hit me quite hard it, it's that like i was just thinking about it and then i was like well you know what i've actually got some games here that that my friend olaf worked on with me um very very long ago like he, he was an artist as well and so i've got some of his old sketches that he'd do for me first off I was like, you know what? It'd be nice if I could build up. There's another game that I've got that's going. That's actually prop going to be the last game that I release in a, a sort of like kind of series of games that I'm thinking of, where I'll build up my my sort of reputation so people get to this game time of tribes, and when they get yeah. to that, there'll be enough. I I don't want to sell like billions or anything. I want to sell no. like a couple hundred copies and just say. Dedicated to Olaf, and put one of his pieces of artwork on the front page of it, and that's it. Um, so, yeah, I've not actually really talked about that I, publicly. I don't think I've alluded to it a couple of times, but that's that's where my whole answering Malcolm's question of why are you putting your games out there? Well, that that was a that got me thinking. Maybe I should start like putting my games out there so that i can put that game out there and it would have a, a a moderate a small moderate audience that i would be happy with as a tribute to my friend um and then this year um as november was getting close and i was starting to think about site uh, about um nagademon um another sort of uh, event started to to take shape called Side
0: mm-hmm. uh, Yes.
1: Yeah. So this is a there's a Discord server that formed at the start of this year for Zine Quest creators. Now like Zine Quest is like a for folks that don't know a sort of event on Kickstarter where they get uh, games creators to try and make games in a Zine format over the course uh, and get them funded over the course of February. Um, yep so uh what happened there is uh mark strox uh who they were um they were noticing that loads of designers were coming in and doing these events it was a third this is the third year it had happened and i i put out a wee fanzine back for the first year of it um and then nothing didn't do anything the second year and then this third year mark was like well there's a lot of us here and we're kind of all on in disparate servers or groups and places and we're trying to like we try to find out the same information or share the same ideas and so created this the Zine Creators workshop Discord server which mm-hmm. grew a lot of us in this year a lot of us sort of indie indie games hustlers and creators and uh uh designers and artists and it brought us all into one place and we, we sort of got talking and there there was this idea, well, if Kickstarter can do Zine Quest, why can't we just do something ourselves but take away some of the limitations that we don't like but keep some of the ones we do. So keep the idea of small, punchy products, sort of like small small pieces of art, um, but do away with being tied to a single platform so yeah people who want to itch fund can go into itch.io um folks who want to use any crowdsourcing platform can crowdfunding platform sorry could do that and basically we'd run it over a month but keep it but but it'd be um creator led so we'd all we'd all sort of agree that if if someone else is is running a campaign at the same time that we'd promote one another, and and ultimately try and like do what ZineQuest does for ourselves, um, the symmetry of like last November creating, be seeing you this November releasing it, boom.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's it's sort of a uh, yeah. That's that's my sort of. <laughs> personal personal (laughs) labyrinth of, of reasoning for why i'm i'm funding it this november
0: you know what though like you talked a little bit about your your friend who passed away and first of all like i am i yeah that's that's a lot but i i think that kind of stuff um a lot of people out there will appreciate hearing their and it's like you said it's heartbreaking and it's sad um, and, like, not trivializing any sort of loss, but the amazing thing about the, uh, this is that, like, what you're doing is kind of a long-term tribute to your friend, and I think a lot of people will respect that, firstly, and secondly, be really moved by that. So I think that you've, <laughs> you've definitely done them proud.
1: Oh, like uh, I try, I don't really talk about it that often. I think it just caught me at the moment, right now. Um, That's totally yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um But uh, yeah, it's it's sort of. I I just think there's a lot of a lot happened. My my partner my, my partner that I nest with is um, uh, was a, a nurse in the the ICU mm. over winter as well. So we've we've had a lot of sort of. Uh, happenings with covid uh, in our household and seen quite a lot of it so
0: it's yeah
1: yeah it's it's, a, it's a, 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 i don't i don't a, i feel like it's shaped a lot of a lot of people in different ways yes and we're all at, at different sort of stages or in in different different ways of looking at it so
0: yeah yeah anyway a lot's happened because of it this show happened because of that a lot of people have put out games and stuff because of that Mm -hmm. um so it's had it's definitely had its positives too abundance of negatives but there have been people staying home and getting things done that they wouldn't have time to regularly so that that side is probably the only positive side that i can think about from it but well
1: the, the the medical technology that will come out it's gonna be that, yeah. You can't. It's sort of like it's it's forced. But and and mm-hmm. I don't like to. It isn't like hey, isn't this a good thing? It's kind of kind of sucks. But
0: yeah, it's, it's kind of awful. It is what it is. Yeah, yes, the, the,
1: exactly. The, <laughs> the world turns.
0: Exactly, exactly. So we actually talked a little bit about side quests there, um, and this huge creator-led movement. And this isn't actually the first game that you've put out, um, you've put out, uh, you've done a couple of things. If I remember reading correctly.
1: I've put out some fanzines, I've put out, uh, I, I, I've put out some fanzines. I've put out, uh, uh, a sort of anthology for my local club where I was the editor, um, yep. or one of the editors, but I didn't, I, I, I submitted an article to it, but not a game, um, but yeah, this is the first time taking one of my games and, and actually putting it out there and saying, well, somebody give me money to get this printed.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> how how has that experience, though, with those things before helped you in designing and promoting and talking about BCing you?
1: Wow, yeah, that's good. Well, I guess I'd go further back because before I'd done any sort of like uh, putting fanzines of game stuff out there uh, I'd been involved with sort of political organising with sort of various um, like working class and anarchist groups where I'd mm-hmm. I i I'll, I'd be like a, dealing with publications quite a lot or dealing mm-hmm. with putting together zines or pamphlets or advice broch- booklets and brochures and flyers and stickers and all sorts of stuff so I had a sort of like over a decade of experience putting that kind of thing together um so in terms of the sort of production side of it i feel quite confident um especially when i'm doing something for myself um like with be seeing you my fanzines were all collaborative with other people in inside sort of fan communities and my in the the local edinburgh indie gamers zine was collaborative with um other members of the the local indie games club that I'm part of yeah um and so while i've I've been heavily involved in putting them out, they're not a hundred percent just me they the collective endeavors no. in and of themselves um is like like seeing you this is the first time I'm taking something that's like okay, I'm going to do the the layout all myself I'm going to do the writing all myself, obviously other people are play testing and giving me feedback it's 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 not uh, it's not a, a stoic individualism <laughs> against the world it's it's definitely had collaboration in that sense but um at the end of the day this is the first time I'm doing something myself and but I think I've got like the, the experience there like it, it, it also comes from the, the the idea of sort of like thinking back to when I was like okay, I'm going to put my games out there and I thought about uh, this this few. Possible future game, all things willing, that I've got, um, where it's like, well, I can't just take my one game that I want to get published and put it out there, and people will will know to come and get, it like, yeah, to come fund it or help me with it. it that nothing works that way. Like, I, I've seen Kickstarter projects where it's one person being like, "Look at my amazing game." Come give me twenty-five thousand pounds, and it's like I'm not giving you a penny. Me, <laughs> I have no idea who you are. The game could be amazing, but yeah, it, it yeah. Does, doesn't inspire me with confidence. So why do, would I expect anyone else to come to me yeah. with that? So it's like okay. So I've got some. Like, it, this even before I came up with that idea, because it was before the the epidemic, before everything. I'd been doing this sort of fanzine for another local game called Slay Industries, and. Mm-hmm. I, I like the sort of setting because it, it, it ties back to to when I was a lot younger and and, and involved in gaming uh, and other other sort of clubs and places and it, it ties into yeah. like my love of the city of Glasgow and where I've spent most of my life and it's sort of like that was just so much fun to do and I'd kind of left that and then there was like the local club I was like oh I can put together will we all. Under lockdown, I just sort of suggested, look, Zine Quest is coming up. Who would like to make a club zine? And everybody wanted to, and we, we came together and made this really amazing zine and put it out there for pennies, effectively. We've got three amazing games in it, like really amazing games. Um, and so we put it out as cheaply as we could, and I just really felt like, well, that's showing people I can produce things. Mm-hmm. I can and I and it shows that it also shows how the the first first of those zines that I put on Kickstarter was done in a sort of like old. It was for Zine Quest One, so I really got into the the old nineties uh, photocopying. Like, got the pit stick <laughs> out. I'm gluing stuff in. I'm I'm putting all sorts of texture on the pages. I'm photocopying it and then cutting bits out and layering it. And it it has that sort of real. Uh, I made sure that one of the reward levels for the the Kickstarter was that as well as the zine, I would send out one of the master pages from the the, the main photocopy. And so almost every page of the zine was taken by someone and sent all over the globe. So now there's no way for me. I didn't take a scan. I didn't... uh, Oh, no. None of it. No, (laughs) purposefully, I made this an ephemeral item. No, this is, this, is a, this is part of my artwork with it. It's like, I'm making an <laughs> ephemeral item that there will be about 100, 100 to 150 copies in the world. Unless someone takes apart their copy and puts it through a photocopier or scans it or does something with it, this is it. And it's a big, chunky zine. It's like, it was 101 pages. It's as chunky a zine as you can possibly make it uh, and still be staple bound and uh, i sort of put that out to the world and so it's a very black and white like i don't know if folks are, are familiar with sort of like your, your your sort of uh fanzine punk zines yeah uh, that kind of that kind of stuff um it was very much in that ballpark uh, it's sort of scrappy <laughs> but with a lot of heart um and then i've put out the Ed and Brendy Gamers zine and it's a yes. really nice slick affair. Um that one of the other club members one of the club founders in fact James done the layout on it and is a professional level layout and it's so beautiful and but it's yeah, it's it's a, a nicer production quality and then I mm-hmm. I've just finished I'm just wrapping up on another fanzine that I've put together and this time I'm doing it as a little perfect bound book. Trying out that sort of technique and making okay. it full cut. Co- another friend of mine, Stuart Burns, is doing all the artwork and, and putting in a lot of colour work on it. So it, hopefully it, it shows that, like, that kind of thing I can help produce. And then when when, when it comes to be seeing you, I want to be like, well, that was Stuart's take on art and, and that kind of thing. Here's what I'm going to do with it. and It's just going to be a, a, the next step. It's going to take a lot of the lessons I've learned from other things that I've done all... All over the past fifteen years or so, and and put it all into this this next step, and hopefully it's it's it, it, the end product will probably be like a lot of the the sort of games that came out, uh, sort of like uh, just in the 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 boom that happened when print on demand first became a thing. So it'll be yeah. your little A five. It'll have a a, a, a <laughs> nice robust little little co- cover, but it'll. Perfect bound, and it will have, but it will have a lot of. It will be a good self-contained game. I really, I really think that that's the end. The end part is like, if if you like a lot of the source material and a lot of the influences that I'm coming from, I think you'll really like this game. Like if you, if you, you go back and 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 you'll just and you'll be sort of, and if you you like the indie game scene, uh, and and want to want to get something like that it's perfect you know and yeah i think it'll be a good lesson for me as well like if this comes together nicely like i think it will i think i've got all the skills for it then um i think i'll do something a little bit more um whimsical and fun next
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's such a cool concept i i love that from like the photo—that's yeah, artistic. That's definitely the best word to use for that. Is artistic.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm doing this for fun. Like I'm, I'm yeah. doing this for enjoyment, and I'm, I've got like some serious emotional stuff going on uh, that we've talked about. But <laughs> like this is this is my hobby. I, yeah. I, I I I am very much of the opinion that um sometimes hear that the term hobbyist talked as a, a pejorative, being talked down to, and yeah. I kind of feel like well hobbyists don't have to think about the bottom line. No. Our, the the profit motivator doesn't enter into what we're doing, so we can push the envelope a lot more uh, mm-hmm. in terms of what we're producing. Whereas yeah. someone who's doing this to to live, like, I'm all fine and dandy with someone that wants to be like, oh, I want to earn my living making games, but I think realistically you have to understand that at that point you're you, in some ways, either have to, like, rel- hope hope that what you, your vision catches enough people that you don't have to compromise it at any point, or you have to to accept that, well, there might be commercial pressures at play that that shape what you're doing. But I think once you're in that position, it's hard to see that for what it is. Yeah. And. That's just the nature, the, the the social relations at work there. Like, I don't think when when you're trying to earn your wage from your game, that's your relationship to that artwork. And and this is the same for any artists. And this is this is a <laughs> it, musicians, artists, like anyone doing any sort of craft or or sort of like thing that they 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 have a love for, but then turn it into the the thing that puts food in their belly. And yeah. keeps the roof over their family's head it it changes your relationship to it, and so i don't want that relationship to be my relationship to role play games It's where I go for my for for one well one of the places I go for like fun and enjoyment and mm-hmm. um i've thought long and hard about that, and I've decided that's i don't want to be doing the 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 hustle forever I want to I've got a game plan, I've got a set of games out of all the ones I've ever written that I know are the best of them. And I'm going to get those ones out. And at the end of it, I've got one last one that I want to be the one that people think, I liked all these other games and I want to see this one now. And then that's me done.
0: That's really nice, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Good. I'll leave the the gate. The game's industry side behind it can it can do whatever it wants. I don't really care. <laughs> like succeed, fail, whatever. I'll still be role play gaming. Yeah. Most of my games don't even need dice. It's fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Tanya, we're actually almost out of time. We've been running for about forty five minutes hmm. now. So one of the questions I like asking on this show to everybody who comes on is, what advice can you give someone? who is looking to design their own game but they have no prior experience and don't really know where to start
1: okay Um, if they're looking to design their own game um, uh, like I mod uh, a small uh, Reddit community called RPG Creation and we get people coming on and asking that all the time and so I normally send them to the RPG design zine by um, Nathan Paletta um okay. you, it's an amazing little zine. Takes a lot of stuff from all different sources, things like uh Jared Sorensen's The Rules and this and that and other bits and bobs. And mm-hmm. I think it's just like it it just it's really a condensed place you can get a lot of des- like tells you h- about how to do design iteration and it and it iterative cycles, that kind of thing. Okay. And tells you about stop trying to write your whole game, just get something that can be flung onto the table and fling it onto the table and get going. (laughs) But I could give all these individual pieces of advice and and probably several more from other sources. But um, why listen to me rabbit on about it? Just grab a copy of that, read it for yourself, on you go. It's a a great primer for anyone wanting to design games. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, that's actually... I think we've had similar advice before and like it's good advice that's why we've had it before
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like all the all the the sort of like building blocks for like the other thing that i probably add is um don't don't be afraid of like when when painters are when painters are learning to paint they paint the masters they sort of try and copy techniques or, or do similar things like, I, I guess I'd say don't be afraid to look at other games that are in the same sort of field or that you have ideas from. Like, I've mentioned a couple uh, already, and I, I think, like, yeah, I'd, 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 like, I definitely took a look at the, the sort of token mechanics in Green Maskew, yep. and I was like, okay, I don't want to do it exactly like that, but that is a big inspiration on what I want to do with this. Yeah. Um, and so, in the same way, like play lots of different games from different different games design fields because like i'm I'm not big into the o s r side of things, but i I try and play anything that seems to be like creating waves just to see yeah. what are those waves right. all about maybe there's some yeah, there's something there, but um, yeah, yeah go get the r p. g. design zine read that, it'll put you on the right track after that just get playing write stuff play stuff have fun
0: that's phenomenal advice tanya so before we wrap up where can people find out more about you and
1: be seeing you okay so um best place at the moment is if you go to timeoftribes.com um that's my sort of landing page where you can get updates on what i'm doing just best way is just pop in your email address and I'll send you out an update every usually month or two months, Uh, it's very irregular. Um, it'll also direct you there to my Kickstarter page where you'll be able to sign up uh, to the pre-launch once that goes live, Uh, I'm just waiting on Kickstarter approving it once they're happy that I've fulfilled my last uh, fanzine, they're a bit thingy about if they don't think you've fulfilled something they won't let you start yeah. a new project so i'm just waiting on the the green light um also if you go there you can have a look for side quests so if you go to sidequest.info you won't just see my stuff there you'll see loads of really amazing projects that are coming up uh, honestly just go through each and every one of them and there's bound to be something that you love there
0: All right. As always, listeners, those will all be in the description down below. And you can go and follow Tanya and check out BCing you for yourself. It looks really cool from what I've read. And from this conversation, I'm really excited to see where this one goes.
1: Thank you. And I I want to just say, Zach, thank you once again for having me on. This has been really lovely and and quite a surprising conversation for me.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having that conversation with me. I'm looking forward to it. Everybody, go give Tanya a follow. Go check out Be Seeing You. It's, like I said, it's looking really good. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. Audience, thank you so much for listening. Tanya and Be Seeing You are scheduled to launch very soon. Take care of yourselves all. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much to Tanya for coming onto the show this week. Be has a really interesting setup, and I'm excited to hear how those of you who get it will play the game. Remember that SideQuest has just started on Kickstarter, and there are a number of really interesting games aside from Be so go support those creators as well as Tanya. As always, listeners, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to be doing a new little thing here where I recommend another podcast on the show. Part of the reason for it is that I can't find a good way to bring other podcasts onto this one at least not in a way I'm happy with. So this week I want to recommend a new show called "Care and Feeding of Werewolves. It's a dark modern fantasy podcast about a doctor who uses magic to treat supernatural patients. It just started on the 31st of October so you have enough time to go take a listen and get caught up because I think there's only one episode. If you like this podcast you should recommend it to a friend. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow here and grow is what we've been doing. It's incredible and we're not even a year in so i'm excited to see where we go i'm not totally sure who the next guest is but we have a couple of really phenomenal folks lined up so i hope to see you next week with them take care of yourselves have a good night bye